Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. How are you doing today? Hope your day's been going well, and I certainly hope that the week is um, going well and that you've got a lot of uh, fullness in your heart about what we're going to be celebrating this week, which we are uh, excited about the birth of our Savior. The Word has become flesh, and we're excited to be celebrating that with you. So I'm glad we can spend some time together today. I don't know how much time you can spend, uh, but you can always go to the podcast if you miss, because we've got some great uh, guests coming on today. Rob Blue is going to be joining me in just a, a minute, and then Dr. Michael Youssef is going to come on. We're going to talk to him. Looking forward to him. You might know him. You see him on TV regularly. And then also uh, Jeff Redoran is going to talk about our identity in Christ. So it's a great show with a great lineup. I'm glad you're with me today. Let's uh, bring on Rob Bluey. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Always glad to talk to Rob. Rob, welcome. Hey, thanks, Bill. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much. So uh, lots to talk about, as there always is, from our nation's capital. And I appreciate you uh, with your ear always to the ground. So let's start with just kind of this sudden surge of Omicron and all of this is what it feels like uh, a new strain of hysteria. Yes, it, it certainly does. And, and Bill, I can tell you, uh, last Thursday I tested positive for COVID, so I very well might have uh, the Omicron myself. And uh, at least in my case, it's it's not even as bad as the common cold. I have a little bit of a sore throat, uh, and I'm isolating from my wife and kids uh, in the oh, basement. No but fun. Other, otherwise, uh, that's the worst part of it. Uh, yeah. So, for all of your listeners who out there are hearing the, the, the panic news media and politicians, uh, just know that what they say about the symptoms are, are about what you can expect. I mean, and I, I think your listeners know that I, I am vaccinated. I didn't get the booster yet, but uh, it's not nearly as bad as I think other variants have been. And that said, uh, it's still something that we should take care of ourselves. I mean, we want to be responsible and not spread it around to others. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I hear these politicians get up in Washington, and we just heard from President Biden uh, a short time ago, and I don't necessarily think that they're helping themselves by scaring the American people the way they are. I think that we've been through this long enough that it's about time to use some common sense and, uh, and lecturing people about getting vaccinated and other things, particularly when the vaccines you know, don't necessarily protect you against this latest variant, uh, isn't, isn't the way to go about it. And so, uh, Bill, uh, what he announced today was anybody who needs a test is going to be able to get a test. Uh, there will be a new website set up where you can uh, submit your information and, and get tested. Uh, he encouraged people to uh, continue to get vaccinated. He said it's okay to spend time uh, the holidays with, with family. Uh, and then importantly, for the first time, I believe this is the first time he actually gave credit to President Trump uh, for the development of the vaccines and uh, for, for President Trump getting a, a booster shot, uh, which he announced over the weekend. So uh, some news making there. Uh, it was yeah. nice to see the, the, the current president give the former president some credit because that's been in short supply this year. So you're living in the basement now, Rob. Is, is your wife giving you projects to do while you're down in the basement? 
<laughs> well, well, the Daily Signal has been keeping me plenty busy. There's okay. no shortage of news this week. But yes, I've tried to uh, tried to do some things and get outside and and, and the fresh air in the backyard. Of course, uh, but. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's no fun. And uh, and so it'll be uh, fortunately, I, I think my isolation is due to end right before Christmas Eve. Okay. So I, I will be able to celebrate with uh, with the family. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, one of those situations where I don't know whether I picked it up at a Christmas party in Washington or just at work. Um, but but Bill, it's um, it's no fun. And as somebody who worked on the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission uh, long ago, you know, I figured in in time it would it would it would strike me, but um, but I'm glad that if I if I did get it, I got the variant that that hopefully wasn't uh, that didn't make you too ill. Yeah. So, are they sliding pizza underneath the door in the basement? Yes, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's about how it works. <laughs> well, I don't mean to I don't mean to it's joke. You're at a you're, you're in a very good mood, so I'm not. I don't want to downplay what's happening to you. And I, if you're not going to be with your family at Christmas, I am horribly sorry, Rob, for that. I really am. No, no, no. We're going to be able to celebrate Christmas all together. In fact, uh, tomorrow is the last day I need to, to isolate. It'll be the I'll, oh, good. I'll completed the, the 10 days. So, uh, you know, when we talked last week, for all I knew, uh, I, I may have had it. I, I found I, the only reason, Bill, you know, this is the thing about this latest variant. I would have never taken the test had a colleague at the Heritage Foundation uh, not come in and, or, or not, didn't even come in. He called yeah. and said, hey, I, I have I just I just tested positive. And I said, oh, my goodness, well, I better test positive. I, I better take a test, too, just out of safety. So I took the rapid test, and it came back positive. And then I took the PCR test, and it came back positive. So, uh, you know, otherwise, I probably would have gone about living my life uh, as, as I normally would have. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. And I think it's, you know, a reason we all just, you know, need to be vigilant and mindful of, of, uh, of what's going on and take care of ourselves. You know, just uh, continue to practice those, those good hygiene, wash your hands, and, uh, you know, when you when you can avoid people, uh, you know, who, uh, right. who might get in your personal space. But, Bill, I uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, I think about time. I, I saw an interview with Scott Atlas, who I myself uh, interviewed, and he made a point last night that said when we get to this point where people is not causing the, the death or the hospitalization, it switches from becoming a pandemic to an epidemic. It's one of those things like the flu, which you know is going to hit us every winter, and it's just something we're going to have to live with. And I think that we're probably coming to the point where COVID is going to enter that phase. I don't know what that, 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 that moment will be, but it certainly seems like um, it's, uh, it's getting there. Yeah, and the th- if there's going to be better therapeutics, too, that would be nice as well. You know, if you, get well, yeah. a, if you get a little bit of the flu, you get the Tamiflu or whatever it is you do to help you get through it. And I would hope that that would be available for uh, COVID as well. Yes, and, and there are some, some drugs now in our country. Uh, we tend to take a little bit slower time uh, approving those, uh, so they are available. And we've seen some, some encouraging studies coming out of the U.K. Uh, that it indicates uh, that those drugs are, are having a, a good and desired effect. In fact, uh, Dr. Marty McCary uh, spoke at a Heritage Foundation event uh, a few weeks ago, and he said that there hasn't been a single death uh, for for all of the individuals who were put on this particular therapeutic, I think, from Merck. So, you know, that is a really encouraging sign that there are other ways to treat COVID uh, as as particularly the cases uh, skyrocket. And, uh, and I expect that to continue to happen over the next couple of weeks until this Omicron uh, kind of fades away. It seems, Rob, that a lot of what I hear is people saying they tested positive, but they're asymptomatic. Yeah, 
pretty much my my, my situation. Mm-hmm. And, and and Bill, I think the other thing is you're you're seeing what how the sports leagues are reacting quite differently. I mean, yeah. the, the 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 football National Football League has decided to scale back on some of its testing. Uh, the National Hockey League has decided to postpone all games through the weekend. So you know, I I, I really don't know if there's a, a right or wrong approach to that. Um, I think that obviously the the NHL has the added factor of of Canada. Uh, so you know, with with teams based in Canada that restricts perhaps travel and things of that nature. But I, I hope that we can get to a point where uh, we're not disrupting our lives to the extent that we were a year ago, because I don't think any anybody really wants to go back into those severe lockdowns and restrictions. And uh, the D.C. mayor just brought back the mask mandate. I don't think anybody wants to, you know, be hiding behind the mask either, although in the winter it does keep you a little warmer. <laughs> but, uh, but, Bill, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's different approaches that we've, we've tested over and over again, and we've seen what works. And I hope we go end up with more of the Ron DeSantis camp uh, than we do the uh, Muriel Bowser camp. That's the D.C. mayor, but who knows? Yeah. Rob, what's the word with Senator Joe Manchin in Washington? Well, uh, Joe Manchin has made a lot of friends, uh, newfound friends and, and some enemies, uh, because he decided on Sunday to come out against President Biden's Build Back Better uh, plan. That's the uh, almost $2 trillion social spending bill that they were trying to get done this year. Biden was really counting on this to have a, a year-end accomplishment in his first year as president. And it looks like that is not going to happen now, if, you, if you're to believe what Joe Manchin is saying. Uh, basically, uh, this is just something that Manchin said his, his constituents in West Virginia couldn't get behind. And if you look at the polling for it and you look at the cost associated with it, I think Manchin was, was right to be concerned. Uh, now, obviously, there are a lot of angry Democrats who believe that he is the sole reason that this is not passing. But the truth of the matter is, uh, they weren't able to convince any Republicans to go along with this as they were on the infrastructure bill. Uh, and remember, quite quite uh, uh, famously, I think there were 31 Republicans who, who broke party ranks and uh, decided to to support the infrastructure bill. So, uh, you know, this is uh, this is clearly a setback for the Biden administration. But I expect that they're going to continue to to make attempts to to revive it in the new year. It's just unclear what direction it might take. Do you think there were some Democrats that were kind of laying low because Joe Manchin was doing most of the talking and they didn't have to didn't have to say anything. Oh, I, I certainly I certainly think that. Uh there there and I, surprisingly so. I thought that there would be a few others who may uh come out and express their their concerns about it. Uh there are obviously a majority of Democrats in the Senate who are are willing to vote for this. Uh the question is in a 50-50 Senate, you you need everyone on board. And certainly if Manchin was going to, to cast that, that vote and get them across the finish line, I think everybody else would have fallen in line. But I'm sure that there are other individuals, whether it be Kristen Cinema or Mark Warner in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, who, who may have had some reservations about different aspects of the bill. Remember, this is a massive investment in everything from climate change uh, to, to, to more government spending. Uh, we, we just had the Congress pass a 25 uh, trillion uh, increase to the debt limit. I mean, it's, it, it, 
<laughs> I, I think that there are plenty of reasons that Joe Manchin could have given you for for his concern, and uh, and spending was a big piece of it. And let's face it, he he represents a fairly conservative state in West Virginia, a state that overwhelmingly supported President Trump both in 2016 and 2020. And as Manchin looks to his own reelection in 2024, I think that that's uh, certainly probably one of the factors weighing on his mind. Mm-hmm. Rob Blue is my guest to get our day started. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with lots more. executive editor at The Daily Signal, getting our day started with all the news that we can learn in 30 minutes from our Washington, my Washington, D.C. correspondent. So, Rob, as we continue to talk about some of the, the vaccine mandates, uh, you have a great story, a great interview on DailySignal.com about Sherry Walker, who's a pilot for United Airlines and also co-founder of the Airline Employees for Health Freedom, an organization formed to counter COVID-19 vac- vaccination mandates. You're absolutely right, Bill. And uh, we've, we've really tried to highlight some of these personal stories on the Daily Signal because we feel that it's important uh, to give them a voice, particularly as they speak out on some of these vaccine mandates. Uh, as your listeners may know from, from previous conversations, the Heritage Foundation itself is subject to the private employer mandate that the Biden administration has implemented through OSHA. And we are suing uh, the federal government over that. That case was was decided by the Sixth Circuit on Friday night, and we immediately appealed on Saturday to uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. So as that is uh, is working its way through the legal system, we certainly hope that before the uh, compliance date in January, the Supreme Court resolves that in a favorable way. But there are plenty of things that are happening outside of the federal government's purview, uh, just in the airline industry uh, as one example. And uh, private businesses, uh, in, in many cases, have imposed uh, their own restrictions, regardless of whether the federal government is, is telling them to do so. And so this is what Sherry Walker was, was talking to our listeners about and why she sees it as um, an overreach uh, by her industry to not only control personal health information, but as she says, also violate uh, her religious freedom. And she said that uh, in you know her religious faith and, and that of her coworkers uh, should give her an opportunity to opt out um, of this, and she's going to fight for that. So we certainly want to highlight uh, people like her as they they try to push back on this. And I think that I, I certainly resonate with resonates with me because I don't think we want our employers uh, collecting private medical information. I thought that there would be more resistance to this, and I think you're starting to see. Uh, the tide turn on it uh, as more and more people speak out. And, uh, and Bill, um, you know, if there's, there's people out there who, who want to tell their story, I think now is the time to do it because when the new year strikes, uh, th- there's going to be this government mandate that if it's not overturned by the Supreme Court, will be in place for 84 million private sector workers. That's fully two-thirds 
of all working adults in this country. Wow. Rob Bluey is my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. You had a very fascinating interview with the Chinese virologist, Dr. Yan. Am I saying her last name correctly? Yes. Yes. Uh, my colleague Fred Lucas uh, broke this story. Uh, she uh, told us about the origins of, of COVID-19, and based on the information she has been able to collect and the military documents that she has reviewed from the People's Liberation Army, the armed wing of the Chinese Communist Party. And the interesting thing about this is not that we told the story, although it is a fascinating story, and we were glad to give her the coverage, but that after we published the story, one of Facebook's fact checkers decided that it was partly false. And this just was a head scratcher, because here you have somebody who escaped China to tell her story by coming to America, only to have a California-based technology company impose uh, censorship on her and uh, and limit the reach of her story. So we fought back on this because this isn't the first time the Daily Signal has faced one of these fact checks. And we were able today – in fact, this is breaking news for, for your listeners – today we were able to get the fact checker to back off, and instead of calling it partly false, they're now just saying it lacks context. So I'd like there to be no label on it at all, Bill, but at least – I uh, think that we made some progress by uh, convincing Facebook and its fact-checking partner that this is not uh, a false story. Uh, the information that she is presenting uh, has been backed up by everybody from, from President Biden, who himself has acknowledged that we don't know the true origins of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Rob, offer your perspective on inflation right now and how it's hurting everybody. Oh, it certainly is. And I think you see it reflected in some of the polling numbers for the disapproval of, of the Biden administration that uh, that people are seeing it, whether they're filling up gas, uh, shopping for groceries, certainly buying Christmas presents uh, across the board. It is it is going up uh, at a rate, uh, you know, twice as much as probably people are making in some of their cost of living uh, salary increases. So it is it is certainly troubling uh, to have a, an annualized rate of six percent. Uh, would put us uh, at, at a, in historical terms, uh, not at that point since 1982. And, and Bill, I, I don't know if it's going to be improving anytime soon. I think we're going to have to ride this out, and particularly because if, if we have a situation where the government's trying to pump more money into, into the economy, I, I don't necessarily know that that's the approach that I would take. Now, the Fed has talked about raising interest rates and taking other steps, uh, but there are other consequences to doing that. So I, I don't know if there's a uh, a magic bullet here to, uh, to to fix the problem. I think the American people, uh, you and me, are going to have to continue and endure this a little bit while longer. Mm-hmm. Rob, J.K. Rowling under attack. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, uh, the, the author of uh, the famous Harry Potter series mm-hmm. has been an outspoken supporter uh, of, of women's rights and a critic of, of those individuals who want to take us in a, in a different direction, particularly when it comes uh, to the transgender agenda. And so uh, by speaking out on these issues, uh, she has definitely come under fire from some of the more woke activists on the left. And uh, I give her credit. Uh, you know, you might not agree with all of her positions, but the fact that uh, there are still famous celebrities out there who are willing to speak their mind on some of these issues, uh, whether it be issues of gender identity or whether it be speaking out against things like uh, vaccine mandates, uh, you know, I, I do credit them because they face immense pressure from certainly the media and the entertainment world and uh, and, and the public at large through social media uh, to conform. And she's certainly somebody who's not been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. DailySignal.com. 
Beautiful story by Eve Deborah on looking into homeschooling through the holidays. I'd love for you to uh, talk about that. Well, this has been one of the most this has been one of the bright spots, if there are any, during the pandemic, and it's the fact that so many parents have been able to uh, get a closer glimpse into what their kids' schooling is, and those who are, are dissatisfied or unpleased with the results. Uh, have opted for school choice. And so last, so 2021, these last few months uh, um, have been incredible uh, for the school choice movement in terms of the number of states who are now offering things like education savings accounts, giving parents more control over their children's education. And so certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity over the holiday season to, to take a step back and, and reflect on on what the future might hold for you and your own kids. And there are so many homeschooling resources. There are so many options that exist uh, today with schooling. Um, I'm very excited that our new president at the Heritage Foundation, Kevin Roberts, is himself uh, a homeschooler and somebody who, who founded a school and in his hometown of Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, when he was dissatisfied with the other options. So, uh, Bill, it's uh, it's really, I think, um, an opportunity, and we see it right here in my home state right now of Virginia, where uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin made this a signature issue of his campaign, uh, just appointed a new education secretary, and I, I think this is going to be a high priority of his when he takes office in mid-January. Mm-hmm. Rob, a listener was wondering if you trust Joe Manchin. I don't think you can probably trust any politician. <laughs> trust but verify, as Reagan said. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that for now, as the bill is currently constructed, I can't see him backing away. He was so firm in his interview on Fox News Sunday that I don't see him backing away from that. I think that the areas to be worried about is if they bring down the cost of it, if they make some of the other concessions that he is concerned about, he could very well support the, uh, a, a smaller version of this, which would still be massive in the grand scheme of things. I mean, again, we're talking almost $2 trillion in spending here on top of what's already been spent during COVID and, and just the most recently passed infrastructure bill. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly something that if, you, if you're a West Virginia resident, uh, keep the pressure on Joe Manchin because this is, uh, this is not the time to relent. All right, Rob, here's a question for you. Let's role play here for a minute, even though I don't like role playing. Uh, hey, Rob, I have a conservative friend who I'd like to buy a book for this Christmas. Any ideas? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one right out of the talk radio world. I just interviewed Bo Snurdly, who is the longtime sidekick uh, for Rush Limbaugh, who, who is another person we lost this year um, after a battle with cancer. And uh, Bo's book, uh, James Golden is his name, uh, is, is called Rush on the Radio. And it's truly a fascinating story. And I'll tell you the part that I love the most in talking to, to James about this. And that was Rush is, Rush's generosity and his charitable giving. And so you know, probably something that most people never even realized about Rush, but just how passionate he was about helping others who were in need. And I think uh, what a great message to have during this Christmas season. Amen. What a great way to end. Rob, blessing to you and your family this Christmas. May you have a wonderful Merry Christmas. And I hope you get out of the basement soon. And be well as you recover from your episode with COVID. God bless you, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Bill, and Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Thank you so much. Rob Louie has been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Dr. Michael Youssef will be joining us. We cannot wait to talk to him. Be right back.
glad to have Dr. Michael Youssef on the program today. He was born in Egypt and he lived in Lebanon and Australia before coming to the U.S. and he fulfilled a childhood dream of becoming a U.S. citizen. He holds degrees from Moore College in Sydney, Australia and Fuller Theological Seminary in California with a Ph.D. in Social Anthropology from Emory University. He founded Church of the Apostles in 1987 with fewer than 40 adults with the mission to equip the saints and seek the lost. His congregation has grown to over 3,000, and it was the uh, launching pad for leading the way, his international ministry. So glad to have him with us today. Michael, welcome. Thank you, Bill. So good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, it's just a delight. I want to say I'm excited again about your uh, 20th anniversary of Empowered by Praise because it's such a fantastic book. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I would love for you to talk about some of the challenges of praise, and uh, one of the things you talk about is that praise touches deep emotions. It does. I mean, it it it, uh, it sort of really places us in our rightful place and places God in His rightful place, especially when you begin to praise the character of God. You know, a lot of people use the glory of God, the glory of God. They, sometimes they don't really even define what the glory of God is. The glory of God is is His character. And when you magnify his character, his faithfulness, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, you are really uh, glorifying God by magnifying his character. And so, uh, you know, through the years, God really has taught us, and and, uh, the message has never changed. And that's why we did the 20th anniversary edition. We kind of updated a little bit. But the message has never changed, and the message came at a time, it was so difficult uh, year in my life personally, but my family. Um, literally in one week, my 15-year-old, who's now 47, praise God, was hovering between life and death in the ICU unit, and a week later, God, God literally saved her and uh, saved her life. And then a week later, my wife was in another hospital uh, uh, you know, having a cancer removed, and uh, you know, so it it was it was tough time. And I remember, you know, you know, like everybody else, I was complaining. I said, "God, what are, you, what are you doing?" And you know, and in fact, I remember one of my elders, who's now gone to be with the Lord, he looked me in the eye and he said, uh, "Those are the times." This was 1980. I said, uh, "90, sorry, 1990." He said, "Those are the times when you really start practicing what you preach." Now, for goodness sake, I was only in my early 40s, and uh, and he's this older gentleman that I love and trust. And I said, well, what do I do with that? And anyway, so I went to the Lord, and, and I said, I'm so sorry. I, I shouldn't be complaining. I, I should praise you. He said, that's right. I want to teach you to praise me in the difficult times because that's this other times to, you know, when, when you learn to praise. So I literally took me through a a lesson, a, a whole lesson that I began to learn how to praise God, how to spend time with God. I gave him the first fruit of the day in praising, worship, adoring, and praying, and, and, and literally falling in love with him all over again every day. And uh, that's that's the uh, 
the, the the impetus. That's that's the background to the to the book where I've learned how to praise God and open the Scripture, and the Lord began to show me. You know, there is just uh, no shortage. When, you know, Bill, when you when you talk about praise or praise, people think of praise band. You know, we're gonna <laughs> have a we're gonna have a big, oh, our praise band is gonna our worship. And like I said, music is part of worship, but it's not all worship. Worship is more than that. It's showing God His worth, and therefore you you do it with all your life and with all your resources and with your top of your voice and heart and soul. And so it's a whole lot more, and that's what I explain in the book. It, it, it is it is far more involved than just uh, you know having a praise band and whipping the congregation on Sunday. And it's like uh, a friend of mine used to say. He said, you know, it's not how high you can jump for Jesus; it's how straight you walk when you land. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Michael, I'm trying to be a very careful listener, and I also want to be sensitive, but a couple of minutes ago, I think you said uh, one of your, did you say one of your uh, kids went to be with the Lord? No, no. I said the man, the elder, went to be with the Lord. Oh, okay, good. See, I'm not listening that carefully. (laughs) No, when she was 15, she's 47 now, praising God for his amazing intervention, made and have wonderful kids, but... But when she was 15, she had a, a, a an infection that was misdiagnosed, and literally, the, they said if we waited just a few hours, all the organs begin to shut one after the other, and um, and they got her right on time in the intensive care unit, and they pumped uh, antibiotics, and, and now mm. this elder who went to be with the Lord now, gotcha. okay, came over immediately to the to the hospital, and he looked at me when I was. A basket case, and he said, "Now you got to practice what you preach." Perfect. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. And thank you for asking. Yes. Yes. So when we talk about praise, it does have it does wage war against our pride, doesn't it? Absolutely, it puts us in our rightful place where we belong, because often, as my Australian friends and now I'm married to an Australian wife for fifty years now, and you know they have a saying that says, "He's got tickets on himself," you know. We, we we have tickets on ourselves. We think we are the, just uh, the best things in sliced bread, and um, but in reality, we need to be saying with John the Baptist, "He must increase, I must decrease," and that is truly where the place of blessing is uh, when we place ourselves literally at the. And, and I tell you know, most most people don't understand the word blessed. You know, the, comes from the Semitic word baraka, particularly in Aramaic and Arabic, especially baraka, that's it, a blessing. And, and it comes from when the, when the camel kneels, he's called, he's a baraka, and the camel has to kneel down in order to be loaded with the goods that he carries, the camel carries in, across the desert. And, and that's what, when we kneel, literally, we receive the blessing uh, from God, and he loads us with his blessings when we kneel before him and and, and place ourselves in humility before our God. And so that is where praise really comes in, into play here uh, as a daily thing. It's not, a, it's, it's not something you do on Sunday. It's a daily, sometimes several times a day. When, and then, and you know, things happen or some, God answers prayer or something. We meet at a stop and say, well, let's praise God. You know, there are very few people who can come back and praise God and thank Him for answered prayers with the same intensity 
by which they asked and petitioned and request. <laughs> and you see that in Luke 17, when Jesus you know, looked at the Samaritan, only the Samaritan, nine Jewish guys and one Samaritan fellow, ten of them came screaming, Lord, heal Jesus, heal us, heal us. He heals them from leprosy. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And they do, and they disappear. They're gone. But this Samaritan comes back with intensity, and a very interesting word that, that he came with, with, with real intensity, thanking Jesus, praising Jesus for healing him. And, and the voice of disappointment in Jesus says, weren't they not ten? Uh, what happened to the other nine? It's only this Samaritan who comes here with such intensity, giving God glory for healing him. And, and so that's what praise is, is, is coming and praising God and expressing our gratitude and thanksgiving with the same intensity by which we have prayed and petitioned him and asked and requested. Dr. Michael Youssef is my guest. He's written a book called Empowered by Praise, Experiencing God's Presence and Power When You Give Him Glory. I love the illustration of the camel having to kneel to get loaded up, and it seems like only a person that's from Egypt would make that observation so keenly. <laughs> well, it's, it's because of the association with the word itself. Yes. Baraka, blessing is Arabic, and the camel baraka knelt, and it's the same root word. And often folks in the Middle East, they always say, you know, there is no baraka without barakah. I mean, you can't <laughs> get blessed without kneeling. <laughs> I love it. So, Michael, how important is it to, ha- to have a thankful heart to get the praise to flow? It, it really is very important because without that gratitude, without that, you know, thankfulness, uh, I was interviewing a couple in our church uh, who had five kids. One of them was two years old. And they would just woke up Sunday morning and she was dead. And, um, and, and the pain and everything else I've been through, I mean, I'm not glossing over the pain, by the way, or the suffering or the grieving. But I was interviewing them in the church, and I, I, I was saying, you know, how can you express gratitude to God after the pain you've been through? He said, look, if we're saved eternally, and we know that our baby is in heaven with Jesus, he said, that's enough for us to praise God and thank Him and be full of gratitude. I thought, wow, what an amazing young couple that they were able to to see through all of the self-centeredness of our world today and say, if it is just salvation, if He only gave us salvation, that would have been enough, more than enough. But then He gave us a lot more than, than that and blessed us in many ways and not just with material things, but with spiritual blessings and eyes to see and understanding to comprehend the Word of God, the Holy Spirit that guides us, and so many things that we just start going through them. Uh, uh, you know, I just did a series of messages of how to grow in your love for Jesus. The background was the letter of Jesus to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, where he says, you're doing all the right things. I mean, it's an active church, live church. I mean, you can't fault them in any way. But I have this one thing against you. You lost your first love. Mm-hmm. And we can, evangelicals particularly, we evangelicals, we can go about the activities and, uh, and, and doing things and, and thinking that we, you know, we, we're doing God a favor. Now we are, but what about our love for Jesus? 
and and I just showed how to love Jesus with your mind, heart, soul, and then in the last one, I said, how do you love Jesus with your memory? And what I do, and I just showed an example of how I go about it, and I start from the very beginning, and I start counting all the things that God has done, and I begin to praise Him for rescuing me from certain death back in 1968. And, uh, you know, before that, I nearly died of uh, of typhoid. And, and before that, and then I'll go through it, and I'll go through incidents that God delivered me. You, you look at back, back at past blessings, uh, at past deliverance, past supernatural intervention of God, and then that's going to make you fall in love with Jesus every day when you do that. <laughs> yeah, amen. Uh, Michael, when you talk about that praise should honor God for who He is, yeah. Do you have, like, a, a list of descriptors of him uh, written on a, well, on, a, on a notebook, or a, how do you do that? Well, I have, yeah, in the book itself, I go through the scripture. Okay. I, I always tell people, I said, look, I'm not smart enough to come up with things. <laughs> I, everything I know, if it's not coming from the scripture, I've learned it from somebody else. Uh, and and I begin to to show the meanings of the names of God. Why did God reveal himself in in those particular names, in those particular characteristics, uh, starting with Abraham? When Abraham was offering Isaac, and then God said, hey, I don't need your son. I just was, I'm testing, you know, whether you love me more than your son. And then he provides for the sacrifice. And and he said, in, in Hebrew, Yahweh Yara. Uh, Jehovah, we say Jehovah Jireh. Uh, it literally means the God who sees ahead. We say my provider, but it really is the God who sees ahead and then does things ahead of us before we see them. And, and he said, and, and he said, uh, that that was the name he gave to God. God revealed Himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh. Then when uh, later on, when uh, even when Moses was talking about, you know, the, the uh, Jeho- Jehovah Nessi, he is my banner. When he was hand up in the air praying, and Joshua down in the battlefield, uh, Jehovah is my flag. He's my Nessi. And then it goes, and, and I, I, I explain the background to this, and I go and explain why Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tasdiknur, my righteousness, uh, Jehovah Shama. He he's the one who hears. Uh, the God who hears. That's why the uh, hero Israel, the Lord your God is one God. It's called the Shama. And to my Jewish friends, um, put it on the mezuzah on the doors, and they kind of kiss it every time they come to the house. And uh, the Shama, um, because it's God, he's Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Roi. He's my shepherd. And I, so I have all of that in the book so that literally a person doesn't have to go hunt for them in the Scripture and and uh, shows them exactly, you know, how to praise God with the, I mean, I, I would recommend if somebody reading the book, maybe get a note and write those things out uh, from the book, but then it will give them a, an understanding of what El Shaddai means in the very original Hebrew and Elohim and all these characteristics, all these names that represent the characteristics of God. And when you begin to do this, and an hour later you find yourself, man, you you, you just have a personal revival, yeah. which I have one every day. <laughs> That's beautiful. 
Dr. Michael Youssef is my guest. His book is Empowered by Praise, Experiencing God's Presence and Power When You Give Him Glory. Take a little break. Be right back with Michael. Dr. Michael Youssef as my guest. Michael, I'm, many uh, are seeing you pop up on television in the evening, yeah. and you are uh, extremely invitational and uh, very warm and invitational in your presentation, and I just want to commend you on that. Thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate that. I was, uh, uh, you know, we started the church 35 years ago because we were in a private school, beautiful school for six years, but it's hidden. And so I started writing spots for radio here in Atlanta, and that's where we kind of uh, started. And I would write those spots and put them on the most popular radio station Sunday morning. And and, uh, and then that kind of went by the wayside when the television ministry and the radio ministry expanded and the full sermons. And, and then one of um, our partners in ministry came to me and he said, uh, he said, these are the times, this is back in Corona days when it was at the height in 2020, and he said, I want to fund, or at least partially, something that really going to uh, take the gospel to the secular world, not just in Christian stations. So I said, I said that's where I started. I can go back to that. So I started writing these. And, um, and really, you know, we can get all entangled about politics and economy and everything else that's going around us. But in reality, in the end, uh, and I'm not minimizing these at all, I think we need to be involved in every aspect, uh, and I encourage my congregation, several of them running for office. So it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but in the end, we've got to let the main things be the main things. I'm forever telling the congregation, major on the majors. And what is the majors? Spending eternity in heaven with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I write these, uh, these parts in, in order to invite an individual who might not know, maybe goes through that, maybe think I'm an agnostic. But look, this is the one who loved you and died on a cross for you. Consider him. We had 150,000 visitors uh, to, our, to that website, findingtruepeace.com. And then we have a bunch of retired pastors who are just loving every single day. One pastor said, he said, all my years... I can count on one hand how many people are led to Christ. He said, I'm leading hundreds of people on the phone who respond to these invitations. And uh, over 5,000 people gave their life to Christ for the first time, counseled by these pastors, found them a good Bible-believing church in their area and recommended it, and, uh, and we follow up on them. And so this is really a great privilege and honor that uh, uh, certainly <laughs> I never dreamed of even though we are all over the world in 27 languages and we have a, a 24-7 television station dedicated into the Arab world called Kingdom Sat, 200 million homes in the Arab-speaking world. But 
I think it's one of the great joys is is 2020 and 21 with these spots really had an impact in the United States. And now some of the secular British television stations are going to put them on as well as some of the secular television stations in Australia. And this is all from a man that whose mother was even contemplating giving up the pregnancy, right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, three doctors told her that her health will never be able to support this birth, and she needs to abort. And uh, the night before they were going over to uh, to the, have the, the so-called procedure, you know, I was going to be murdered in my mother's womb by a German doctor who lived in our town in Egypt and uh, in an American hospital. And... Uh, and he said, I am deeply disturbed about this because somehow the Lord is telling me that there's something about that person, whether he or she serving the Lord. Now, all my brothers and sisters are either bankers, economists, professors of economics, or, or I mean, just all the, my dad was a businessman. We have no preachers, no ministers in our family. And my mother kind of puzzled, but then she said, no, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to go through with it. And... Um, the wonderful thing about her faith and trust is that she lived 16 more years. And here's the amazing thing about our sovereign God. On March 4th, 1964, I gave my life to Christ because I was a rebellious teenager. And I said, I, God wants me to do what? There's no <laughs> way I'm going to do that. I'm going to be rich like my brothers. I mean, they were living it up, and I want to be like them. And so I did not want to go to ministry, and uh, and I rebelled. But uh, somehow God miraculously delivered me, and so I came to Him on 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 Wednesday, March fourth, nineteen sixty four, and she died in July of that year, literally four months later. And her greatest joy is, she said, now I can die at peace, knowing that God has literally fulfilled what I risked my life to do in, in bringing you to himself. And she said, whatever success you may achieve, like more than your brothers, even if, if, you, if you can do that. I mean, I had a, a, a bank president brother who at the age of 30, so that tells you uh, I, was, I was really, the, 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 the bar was so high, I didn't know how I'm going to do that. But she said, even if you're more successful than they are, I I don't want you to forget that God saved you for a purpose higher than this, you know, earthly success. And so, again, God supernaturally delivered me from death and escaped with the clothes on my back when I was 19 years old, uh, and literally escaped from the country. And, and God just guided my steps and, uh, and, and privileged me and honored me to be uh, a bearer of his good news. So, do you have any uh, brothers that are U.S. citizens like you, or are they... No, no, they were so successful <laughs> where they are. They wouldn't even contemplate leaving, although one who was the president of American Express uh, ended up retiring part-time in Canada and going back and forth because of family connection. Uh, but uh, no, uh, n none of them really wa wanted to leave. I was at the loose end, the youngest, and, and so I left. Um, uh, left uh, at the age of 19, and uh, I didn't think I was able to, will ever be able to go back. But God, again, in His miraculous way, 
Nasser died. He was the president of the country, of course. And, and when I escaped, I tell people, you know, tongue-in-cheek, that I didn't say goodbye to him, and he didn't like that. <laughs> so I knew I was, I'll never be able to go back. But he died, and Sadat came and took over. And uh, through a, a long connection, uh, Sadat heard my story, and he never liked Nasser anyway. And so he said, you tell him, one guy, a parliamentarian from Australia, said, my pastor is from Egypt, but he escaped under your, your predecessor. Well, just did it. And the next thing, I get an invitation from President Sadat in 1977 to come to Egypt as his guest. And they say the rest is history. God opened all these doors for ministry for me in the Middle East and Egypt, all over the world. Michael, I'm just out of breath right now. It's just a powerful story, and to God be the glory. Thank you Amen. so, thank you so Amen. much for spending time with our um, our our friends here at Faith Radio today. We just so appreciate you and what you're doing. Absolutely, Bill. Thank you for having me, brother. And uh, best and Merry Christmas, and and uh, celebrate with great joy the coming of our Lord Jesus. We will indeed. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Youssef has been my guest. His book is Empowered by Praise: Experiencing God's Presence and Power When You Give Him Glory. We're taking a little break. We've got hour two coming up. My friend Jeff Verdorn is already sitting with me here in the studio. We're going to talk about our identity in Christ. That's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.